Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. We are back again this week. I'm Chris, he's Blake, and we are talking some fishing topics. And probably the one that's on everyone's mind this week is the Minnesota fishing opener this weekend. Uh, there's a, still a few waters way up north that are ice covered. But uh, at this point, with all the weather we had come in this week, with the rain and the heat, uh, just about everything is fishable now in the state. I've been kind of taking a look around. Uh, Randon Olson from Lockjaw Guide Service has just been banging some giant crappies out there in Ottertail County. I've been seeing a bunch of fish from up in the Lake of the Woods area uh, out there on the interwebs over the last week or so. Uh, weather's going to be beautiful, which it hasn't been all spring, but uh, what a perfect weekend for the opener. Uh, let's say I agree. You yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. I'm heading over heading over to Winnie uh, later this afternoon and gearing up for uh, another fun Minnesota fishing opener. It's, it's a tradi- tradition, you know. I just love doing it. It uh, you know, I live in Wisconsin now. I can already fish walleyes here. You can go to a lot of different places and fish walleyes, you know, whether it's a river system or other states. But there's just something special about that opening weekend feeling. Um, I think for fishermen, it's it's just as, you know, special as deer hunting weekend. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be, you know, a little bit different than maybe the last few years. I mean, obviously, ice just came off. So water temps are going to be colder than, than you know, the last few years. Um, but regardless, it should be fun. Like you said, it's going to be a good weekend. It looks like uh, weather-wise, at least where I'm heading, mid-60s. So can't really complain about that. Yeah, this is the latest the ice has come off since probably about 2018. It's been, yep. you know, four years or so since we've had uh, this late, light ice coverage. Uh, what do you, what would you recommend to people going out there? And, and how is it going to be different fishing than maybe it was last year going out in those same areas? Well, you know, when you look at the last few years, typically walleye opener falls more towards the end of the spawn, it seems like. Um, so, you know, walleye spawn when water temps hit kind of the mid-40s, that's kind of the the sweet spot. So I think what will be different this year is you might find fish in all three stages. You know, depending on the lake, if it's a smaller lake, the ice came off a while ago, they're probably already done. But if it's a bigger lake where ice just came off, well, they might still be in that pre-spawn phase or right in the middle of spawn right now. So that's just going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, typically once they're done with that spawning period, they tend to put on the feed bank pretty heavily. So if you can find some of those fish, that's good. Otherwise, with colder water, slow your presentation down. Um, you can do still aggressive things like snap jigging. That seems to always turn fish on, whether it's plastics or hair. Um, that's primarily what I'm planning to do. We will pick up some minnows on the way up to have those. Uh, but I think snap jigging, maybe throwing some jerk baits will be kind of what, uh, my program is for the weekend. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we talk about ice coming off late, but it's also a late opener being, uh, May 14th and state law dictates it, uh, two weeks basically before the, the, the uh, Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. So that's what we've got this late opener. You mentioned that you're going up to Winnie. Uh, that's also where the governor will be. Is that a coincidence or is that uh, a planned thing? 
Uh, just a coincidence. Yep. I'm up there every year. My dad and I, that's where we've been going for the last 10 years. So tradition for him and I, and just so happens that's where the governor will be this year too. Yeah. So that's another thing that we, and we're going to talk about that in the next few topics too, is uh, people out on the water. Uh, I expect that probably will be a pretty busy lake uh, with that being the governor opener and, and just opener yep. in general, people are out and they're doing some fishing. Uh, how do you kind of navigate the crowds in those types of situations? try to find your own fish that's the biggest thing um just because there's a crowd of people it does not mean they're catching fish i think we've all been guilty of that at least at some point in time like oh man there's 10 boats piled over there they they must be catching something but especially with walleye fishermen it seems like we just have a tendency to gravitate towards each other so don't just assume that because there's people a whole pile of people in one area they're catching fish go you know use your electronics use everything you have to find your own fish um it doesn't it typically doesn't pay dividends to just go sit with everybody else all right there's a lot of talk out there about getting kids involved in fishing and you and i have talked about it it's been a topic on the show many times uh but the american sport fishing association just put out something uh take a friend and they're encouraging people to uh invite new people out fishing and i would say that this kind of you know, not necessarily kids, it's it's adults, it's people that may not have an opportunity to fish on their own. Uh, they actually put out a report and saying uh, kind of the biggest obstacle, or I, I shouldn't even say biggest obstacle, but the biggest reason why people started getting into, into fishing was because they were invited. So, yep. uh, you know, that's, that's one thing. I think a lot of people, you know, they look over and see the neighbor's boat and they kind of feel weird about inviting, you know, coming over and asking to go fishing. But uh, if you extend that hand and get some new people into the sport, all of a sudden you've got a new fishing buddy. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's, I like what ASA is doing. They're doing a bunch of different campaigns here throughout uh, the months of May and June. And really they're they're It's all kind of, a, a you know, about getting people involved in fishing and keeping people involved in fishing. So like you said, this week here, the, the campaign is about taking a friend fishing. So if you know somebody who might have interest, um, maybe you don't even know if they do it doesn't hurt to ask you know invite somebody because that's like you said that's how you meet a new fishing buddy um i think about uh when i moved to this area i didn't know anybody here and eventually you just start talking to people um you talk about things you like to do like fishing and eventually you have some great friends that and that's who you go fishing with um you know, to protect this sport going forward, we need to get more and more people involved. Um, the last couple of years, it's it's kind of skewed. I mean, it kind of seems like, wow, there's just so many people. Why would we be worried about getting more people involved? Well, as things kind of get back to normal, you know, whatever normal was, I guess, people are not spending as much time in the water as they were the last two years. So it's important to try to keep some of those people involved um, just to make sure, you know, fishermen, anglers, we have this representation. Yeah, very much so. Uh, when I talked to Brian Brosdahl at the St. Paul show, we actually talked about it for a few minutes. And, you know, our, our thing was taking old guy fishing. You know, we, yep. we all talk about taking kids fishing, but uh, taking, uh, taking you know, like our father's fishing, I'm, I'm doing that next week. Uh, I'm heading out to uh, Lake Ontario with my dad and going out and doing that stuff. I mean, it, it's important just to kind of have those things and, and build memories with those kind of people as well. Um, you know, the, taking kids fishing is great and it's fun, but it's also just fun to kind of take other people out to and, and introduce them to the sport or else maybe not necessarily introduce them to the sport, but just kind of keep it alive within them and, and getting them out. Yeah. There. Yeah. Rekindle that fire, you know, 
for sure. All right, we've been talking about Minnesota opener. Uh, last weekend was the Wisconsin opener. And uh, speaking of introducing fishing, in a few weeks, we've got the Wisconsin's free fishing weekend that's coming up June 4th and 5th. State park fees are also going to be waived that weekend. Uh, Wisconsin DNR is reaching out and telling people, hey, if you want to kind of have your own event, whether you're a nonprofit or even a business, you want to create an event wrapped around that, uh, they're willing to help you out. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great opportunity. Like you said, you don't need to have a fishing license. Um, the state parks and the, you know the different fees and stuff, all those are a wave. So you can take advantage of this to its fullest extent. If you want to have an event and have a bunch of people out, this is a great opportunity for those people that try fishing or to go fishing for the weekend, and they don't have to worry about buying a state park pass, buying a fishing license. Uh, I just think it's a great opportunity to get people involved, and I'm glad that the state of Wisconsin does this. I, if I remember right, Minnesota does it too. Do you remember, Chris? I believe they do. It is a little bit later in the year, though. Yep. Yeah. So it, either way, it's a great opportunity just to get people out there. Uh, take advantage of it. If you have a friend who they always talk about wanting to go fishing, but they don't want to buy a license for the whole year. Perfect. Perfect time. Fishing's still great this time of year, too. So I think that's a, a perfect opportunity to get people out. Yeah, Northern Wisconsin, that's really one of my favorite weekends to go out because the Memorial Day crowd is gone, and uh, yep. usually the, the water is just starting to get to that where it's starting to warm up, and that's a, it's a fun weekend to be out that weekend. So uh, that's, that's one of my favorites. But uh, if you're an organization or a business and you want uh, a little bit of help, uh, Wisconsin DNR is going to support your event with uh, some promotional uh, materials and uh, possibly even some gear. So head over to the Wisconsin DNR website and you can register your event and uh, see where you guys can go with that and hopefully get some new people fishing. Uh, we've been talking open water, but uh, at, at the heart, we are an ice fishing show. I know it's uh, tough to talk ice fishing this time of year, but we're going to do it. Trying to get at least one or two topics in every week on ice fishing, even though we're talking a lot of open water as well. Um you know, you do the same as I do. I was out fishing a lot this year with, I wouldn't say like rookie anglers, but a lot of people that are maybe first or second year into ice fishing and see a lot of kind of mistakes with flashers. And, you know, they yep. know that I have a hand in some of this stuff and they're asking me how to set up their flashers and just wanted to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, probably the one of the biggest kind of mistakes that I see especially when you get into January and February is the transducers. You know, maybe they've got about 12 inches of, of lead coming off of that, you know, box with their, with their sonar and they're out there fishing in December. That 12 inches will get you below eight inches of ice and your transducers hanging below that ice edge, but they'll have it set up the same way in January and February with two feet of ice and the transducers kind of sitting midway down the hole you want to make sure you get that uh, transducer down below the ice edge. Uh, so you, I like to run it basically, you know, the top of the deucer sitting right on the edge of the, the bottom edge of the ice. Uh, yeah, what else know, do you have, Blake? Well, I was just going to add to that transducer point. I mean, the, you also want to make sure you don't have too much out because then it causes issues, especially when you, if you're reeling in a fish. Um, the more cable you have down there, the more likely it is that you're going to get a fish wrapped around that. Um, so like you said, try to keep it at the bottom of the ice. Uh, the other thing to think about is range. Um, you know, when you're ice fishing, you could be fishing in 10 feet of water or less, or you could be in 40 or 50 feet. So make sure you have your flasher set up with the appropriate settings. You know, there's options here that are 
that automatically calculate that for you and set it up to the appropriate range. But if you're using, you know, an old school or a traditional flasher, you want to make sure you're setting that in the right range. So if you're in 10 feet, uh, have that in the 20 foot range. And if you're in 30 feet, you want to make sure you have that in the 40 foot range and, and so forth there. Um, other things gain, you know, people just crank that thing on, assume that everything's going to work fine. You want to make sure you have that game setting fine-tuned to see your jig and then as well to see fish. So what I like to do is make sure I have it tuned so I can see my jig clearly, but not to the point where it's, um, you know, taking up half of the screen or something. You want to just make sure that you're seeing that at all times, and then you can have an idea of what you're seeing for fish, you know, what size fish those are. You can kind of justify or determine, I guess, what those fish are based on the size of what your jig is and the, the size of the mark you're seeing on the screen. Uh, other things, you know, it's not a bad idea if you have access to a camera, take that camera out with you so you can actually figure out what you're seeing. You know, what you're seeing on the screen is what you're seeing um, on the camera screen. Just It just helps you determine, you know, what the size of those fish are, how those fish are reacting. You know, when, when you see them move up and down or when they're flaring their fins, you can determine basically what that looks like on a flasher by utilizing a camera as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip. Uh, I would say, I guess, add to the game, you know, as low as you can get it is how you want it to be able to see uh, your your lure and everything. But uh, I try to yep. have it as low as I can while still being able to see that that lure. If you get it too high, then your screen gets really dirty, has some issues. The other thing I would say is, uh, you know, a lot of people are buying in at, uh, you know, maybe not so introductory levels. And I saw a lot of people out fishing with, uh, um, transducers that give them a couple different cone angles and they've got you know their wide cone angles sitting in 30 feet of water you can't figure out why they're not catching the fish they're seeing on their screen so you know that right. wide cone angle is great if you're fishing in like eight ten feet of water we get out into that 30 feet of water you're going to want to narrow that down so just keep an eye on that cone angle too make sure you're not spraying that huge swath of water and then you know you're marking fish that are 10 15 feet away from your lure and that's why you're not catching them. So that, that's right. that's another thing to keep keep a lookout for. Um, this time of year, and I'm seeing it on Facebook right now, a lot of people coming home with new to them uh, fish houses. You know, a lot of people after the season ended, they know they're going to get a new house. They're putting their houses up for sale. Um, just getting into that off season, they don't want to store it, whatever. There's a lot of used fish houses out there uh, up for sale. And if you're looking for one, you know, it's nice to try to save some money with the used houses, but uh, just understand that you're buying without a warranty. You're, you're, you're basically going to be responsible for anything that goes wrong with that house. So you're going to want to take a good look at it. Um, probably the, the leading indicators are any kind of water damage. You see water damage on the roof. Uh, you got a soft or spongy floor. That's something that... Uh, you're probably going to want to walk away from. The other big thing I would say is uneven wear on the tires. Uh, that's going to give you an indication something's wrong there uh, with the with that kind of system. So, uh, Blake, anything from you on that? Yeah, I would just say look it over like you're just like you're buying a boat or a car. Uh, look it over thoroughly because, like you said, you're responsible for everything that happens after that point. Uh, so, you know, take it seriously. Don't just assume – I mean, you hope that you can trust people, but you can't always. So take a close look at it. Um, make sure you're looking everything over before you make that purchase. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say uh, bring a ladder and get up above uh, the roof line. Take a look at that roof. Make sure 
you're not seeing you know loose caulk things like that there and get underneath of it as well uh, like blake said it's it's similar to buying buying a vehicle you want to take a good look and make sure that if you're buying something that you know sometimes things look really good at surface level and you get underneath there you're like whoa that that's going to be a, a major problem uh yeah. take a look at the caulking around the windows loose siding um the other thing i would say and I see this often too is is people buy the wrong house for themselves so uh, maybe they're excited they want a great big house oh i'd love to have a 21 footer that would be nice to get out there and they have an suv that they're going to try to pull it with um, so take a look at the vehicle you have be realistic on what it can pull um, other people may go hey you know here's a house in front of me it's a 12 footer but this will you know this gets me a house at the price that i'm looking for but they want to fish with four people. I mean, you got to kind of be realistic with what you're looking for and what kind of money you have to spend because you go buy that 12 footer. Do you want to fish with four people? What's probably going to be happening is you're going to have a house for sale next year. So when you go out to buy a house is, is to really think about how you're going to use it, what you're looking for, and then start looking for a house that's like that and go from there rather than just going, Hey, what, what fits in my price range and try to, make that fit into your lifestyle because the reality is if you buy something that's not going to work for you, it's just going to lead to more problems down the road for you. The other thing I would say is if you have a friend who knows something about fish houses, maybe they have one, see if they can come with you when you go take a look at one. Obviously if they have experience with it, they might be able to pick up on things that you would be able to pick up on. So it doesn't hurt to ask around, see if you got a friend who knows a thing or two about permanent fish houses. Very good. Very good. Good tip. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us this week, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy your opener. For Blake, I'm Chris. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.